podcast from Redeemer Christian Church in Amarillo, Texas. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information about Redeemer, please visit our website at RedeemerChristianChurch.com. Good morning, church. It's a privilege to be with you all today. Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel according to Luke. We're in chapter 17. We're going to begin our reading in verse 11, and we're going to continue our reading through verse 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go. And show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Almighty and everlasting God, I thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you that your words shine like light into our darkness. And Lord, I pray that they would go deep into our hearts today, that today, by the power and mercy of your Holy Spirit, that we would do more than just learn mental content about your word. I pray that through your word, we would encounter and see Jesus Christ, your Son, and our Lord. And I pray in seeing him that we would be a transformed and changed people and that we would be able to leave this place as those who are sent on mission to display Jesus, your Son, to a watching world. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You can have your seat. We're in the gospel according to Luke, and Luke in this text is reminding us yet again for the third time that Jesus is in the middle of a journey. He is journeying to the city of Jerusalem where Jesus knows he will die on a cross for our sins, where he will rise again for our salvation and eternal life. And it's because of that setting of this final fateful journey that he has been teaching his disciples and the crowds that form around him about the nature of God's kingdom. But today, Luke, the gospel author, interrupts that rhythm and he calls our attention to geography. He's talking about where Jesus is. He is passing along the border between the territories of Samaria and Galilee. And we should know Luke well enough by now to know that Luke doesn't include little details like this by accident. He is a literary mastermind. He he is showing us something very important about the conditions that surround the event that is going to take place here. It's not just a a trivial piece of Jesus' travel itinerary. Luke is telling us that Jesus is walking along a social, cultural, and political fault line in the ancient world. It's not something that you would simply casually do. In fact, You wouldn't just go around saying, well, you know, the other day I was walking along the border between South Korea and North Korea. It's a place of tension. It's a place of hostility. In some ways, it's a type of no man's land where people do not live, but it's the perfect place for a colony of lepers. 
And that's who Jesus encounters here. If you were a leper living at this time, it was very, very hard for you. In fact, a lot of times when we conjure the word leprosy, what we think of is a particular disease called Hansen's disease. And when I say Hansen's disease, I'm not talking about umbop. I'm talking about fingers falling off. It's a, it's a really terrible disease. But this term referred to actually a constellation of different infectious diseases that could be transmitted through proximity, through either uh, people sneezing or people touching you. And, and for this reason, people who had skin diseases that were under this umbrella category of leprosy, they were essentially excluded from every form of community that they could experience. They weren't able to be able to live with their family. They weren't able to be around their friends. This was because if you were a leper, you were considered ceremonially unclean. And that meant something really important. Not only were you considered unclean, but if you touched someone, they would become unclean. If you went into someone's house, their whole house would become unclean. And so to be a leper was to carry this perpetual sense of rejection, of shame, and loneliness. At a symbolic level, the Bible oftentimes portrays leprosy as a symbol, a visible representation of sin. Because the Bible talks about sin in a way that a lot of times we, we tend not to. We, we can tend to reduce sin to simply breaking a rule in God's rule book. But it is more than that. Sin is going against the fabric of God's creation. It is rejecting God's lordship over us. It's actually an act of cosmic rebellion against the God who is the source of everything that is good about our lives. And so because of that, sin is more than just a demerit. It dehumanizes us. It wounds our soul in the same way that leprosy caused people to be isolated and rejected. Sin is something that causes isolation. It causes rejection. It causes a sense of shame. It causes an eventual destruction. And so there's this parallel that Luke, the gospel author, is inviting us to make between ourselves and the lepers. The lepers need the intervening grace of Jesus to overcome their disease of the skin. But we need the intervening grace of Jesus to overcome our disease of sin. Thankfully, Jesus has a lot of grace to go around. Amen? His grace is greater than our greatest sin. And so we're going to see again Jesus able to be able to overcome these walls of society and politics that so oftentimes people erect between one another. But this story really isn't about Jesus' power. That, that point's been well established in the gospel according to Luke. Now the weight of this story falls on how we are to respond to Jesus. And particularly how this one Samaritan leper responds to Jesus. And so that's the question I think that's provoked today is how do we respond to Jesus? And how should we respond to Jesus? There are three ways I think that this text invites us to respond to Jesus. The first of which is expectant faith. As Jesus and his disciples walk beside their small leper colony, the ten lepers recognize Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And as per the law, they do not go and approach Jesus. They, they actually keep their distance because they are ceremonially unclean. But they cry out to him in desperation. They say in verse 13, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. This is interesting because it means even though these ten lepers have never met Jesus, and even though they haven't seen Jesus before, they know all about him. They recognize the name of Jesus. 
Early in Jesus' ministry, as he was becoming famous as a rabbi who would teach the word of God like no one else, as he became known as this miracle-working prophet, there was a leper who Luke chapter 5 describes as a man who was full of leprosy. And he breaks all social convention, and he approaches Jesus directly. He falls before his feet, and he says, Jesus, if you can, would you heal me? If you will, I can be clean. Jesus says, I will be clean, but he does something more than just use those words. Jesus stretches out his hand, and he touches this leprous man. Can you imagine how much that would impact the community of lepers that are around at this time in this place? I mean, this legend would have spread like wildfire. I mean, people that are not able to go into their own home. If if your dad, that meant you weren't able to touch your own wife. You weren't able to hug your own children. Think about just the the horrific conditions that this disease would cause in your life. And then you hear the story, not just of a man who healed a leper, but a man who stretched out his hand and touched him. I think in some ways this would have become somewhat like a first century Chuck Norris legend, right? Jesus doesn't get leprosy. Leprosy gets Jesus. Jesus. The word about Jesus has gone forth. And so when these lepers see 12 men and a rabbi walking along the side of the road, they do not respond to Jesus with casual interest. They do not respond to him with critical doubt. Instead, they cry out to Jesus with desperation and expectation and faith that he can and that he will heal them. That's how we're called to respond to Jesus. It's with faith. See, faith isn't wishful thinking. It's not just hoping that something that you want to be true will become true. Faith is the ability to see that there is something radically different about Jesus. And in response to that revelation, putting all of our hope and putting all of our trust in him. The question is provoked, is that how we respond to Jesus? Do we treat him like the lepers who come before Jesus with desperation and expectation? Are are we more like the audience that he met in his hometown of Nazareth? Remember, Jesus grew up in hometown. And when he came and preached in his hometown, they responded to him with petty criticism, with indifference and hatred. And I think that it is true that that old adage that familiarity can breed contempt, and that is certainly true of Jesus. And I think that creates somewhat of a difficult situation for us here in the Bible Belt. If you grew up in the Bible Belt like I did, it is possible that you can become so familiar with Jesus that it's difficult for your soul to put its trust, its hope in Jesus. I grew up in the Bible Belt, and I grew up going to church from time to time. I grew up thinking that I understood Christianity, but it never really captivated my heart, never captivated my attention. I had a lot of doubts about what I understood Christianity to be because in some ways I thought Christianity was just like any other world religion. It was essentially a prescribed precepts for behavior modification that we could do to make ourselves better people, and then perhaps that if there is a God, us doing good things would somehow bring us into connection with him, into communion with him. If we worked hard enough that maybe we would have an eternal afterlife where God would accept us and things would be okay, and Christianity was just one of those options of how to be able to get there. But I began to reject what I understood Christianity to be, and it took a time later in my life where I was surrounded by a group of Christians that made me curious about the gospel again. I began to read the word of God with fresh eyes, with the understanding of maybe I haven't quite understood this correctly. And the Holy Spirit of God opened my heart and revealed me something about Jesus in the gospel that I'd never seen before. 
In some ways, Jesus was able, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to become brilliantly unfamiliar to me again. I saw that Christianity wasn't about what we could do to get to God. It's about what God has done to come to us. That salvation is not something that we can earn through our merits and our good works. That when we come before Jesus, the only thing we can come before him with are the empty hands of faith. The question is, is how might God be inviting you to trust him today? To have faith in him. To cry out to him with desperation and expectation. Point number two, a second response that we see to Jesus is willing obedience. Now, Jesus has the power to heal these men simply by speaking his word. We have seen that elsewhere in the gospel according to Luke. It's it's been well established that Jesus' authoritative word has power over demons, over disease, and even over death itself. That Jesus Christ is the living embodiment of the God of Genesis 1 who said, let there be light and there was light. That's who Jesus is. But that's not what he does here. He does not simply speak a word of healing and heal them immediately. Instead, he gives these men a commandment. He says in verse 14, Go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, for those that were familiar with the Old Testament law, this is the thing that you're supposed to do once you're healed of leprosy or you believe that you've been healed of leprosy. You're supposed to go before a priest. That priest is going to examine you and to check you out and make sure that you're clean and ready to go. And if he approved you, you could then be able to re-enter society. But typically, you would go see the priest after you're healed of leprosy, not before. That's the point. These men weren't healed yet, but they respond immediately to the command of Jesus. Without delay, without deliberation, they obey him. And it's in the process of these men doing what Jesus commands that they experience their healing. Look at verse 14 again. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, I want to be very careful not to give you the wrong impression. We do not obey to earn blessing from God. The the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a gospel of karma. With that said, when God invites us to obey his commands, there, there is blessing. When we obey, we're not obligating God to bless us in the way that we choose to be blessed. But when we respond to the commands of God, there is actual blessing we experience in the obedience because God's commandments are good. Because our Heavenly Father loves us. And that's a way that we need to understand the commandments of God. This is how the psalmist in Psalm 19 understands the commandments of God. He says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. It's not that we get reward because we obey. It's that in keeping the commandments of God, that's where we find flourishing. That's where we find the joy that God has created us for. He commands us, Because he loves us. He wills our highest good. He sees our highest good, even when we cannot see it for ourselves. And so, if we're to truly hear the word of the Lord and hear Jesus' commands, we must obey. 
In fact, in the Hebrew mindset, there was not a distinction between hearing the word of God and obeying the word of God. Because in the Hebrew language, it's all the same word. It's the word Shema. That word might be familiar to you because Jewish people today, as they did in ancient times, pray a specific prayer called the Shema every morning and every evening. Hear, O Israel. Shema, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. But that same word for hear is also the word for obey. The identical word because in the Hebrew mindset, it was inconceivable to hear the word of God and not respond with obedience. And if you didn't respond to obedience, that meant that you really didn't hear the word of God in your life. When we come before Jesus and Jesus speaks to us, we are to respond with a humble willingness to obey him. And sometimes there is this unexpected blessing of healing that we encounter when we take that step to obey. One thing that I appreciate about this church and that I've learned about this church in the years that I've pastored it is we tend to reach a lot of different people that have been wounded in their past by other churches, people that have been hurt, people that have been disappointed and let down. And many times, more often than not, these are people that are already very passionate for the Lord. And they're very gifted for ministry, but they've been wounded. They've been hurt. So oftentimes when they come, they will tell me, I just need some space. I need some time to rest. I need some time to heal and to restore. And and I believe that that can be very true. Sometimes it's a good and godly thing to rest. I just had a sabbatical this last summer, and it was a wonderful restoring time. However, with that said, I think there's a difference between taking a season of restoration and rest and simply sitting down and isolating yourself. Sometimes when we sit down, we don't heal. We actually get more bitter and we stay broken. I've oftentimes witnessed this miracle that happens that when people have been wounded by Christian community, where they tend to experience the most healing is in healthy Christian community. That when they've been wounded because of how they've been burnt out and used and abused in service, it's oftentimes they they rediscover their passion for the gospel and their passion for the mission of God when they have the courage to resubmit themselves to the process of service because in serving other people, they find that the Holy Spirit of God is ministering to the deep wounds of their soul. It's oftentimes when we take that step of obedience that we experience healing that our souls long for and crave. So I say that to say, I know there might be some of you that are right now sitting on the sidelines because of fear, because of pain. It might be that the Lord is inviting you to respond, to take a step out. Maybe it's time for you to become a member of a church. Maybe it's time for you to join a community group. Maybe it's time for you to commit yourself to serving the local church so that in serving other people, you experience the grace of God that service can provide. But again, This story isn't primarily just about the healing power of Jesus that goes forth. We know that to be true. At this point of the Gospel of Luke, what's what's happening here, what Luke is really calling our attention to is the particular response of this one Samaritan leper. And that leads us to point number three, which is grateful worship. When the ten lepers lift up their voices and they cry out for the mercy of Jesus Christ, verse 14 tells us that Jesus saw them. He doesn't just vaguely register their presence like we do when there's a panhandler on the side of the road. Because let's be honest, sometimes when you encounter people in deep need, it's easier to ignore them. It's easier to not see them, but that's not true of Jesus. Jesus sees them. He 
He beholds their need and he extends his mercy and his compassion and he cleanses them by his miraculous power. But whereas Jesus was able to truly see these men, only one of these men is capable of truly seeing Jesus. The Samaritan leper sees that he is healed. And he immediately turns around and he praises God with a loud voice. The, the Greek there is phones magales. It's literally megaphone. It's a megaphone of praise coming back, giving glory to God. He doesn't keep his distance from Jesus anymore. Because the barrier that separated from him from Jesus, that's been removed. He comes before Jesus, and he falls before his feet, and he gives him thanksgiving. And Luke tells us, by the way, this guy happens to be a Samaritan, which would have shocked the initial readers of the gospel according to Luke. A Samaritan was viewed by most Jewish people as a half-breed heretic, They were people who were guilty of worshiping God in an impure way. They had mixed with Gentile nations. They were, according to most Jews, not a part of God's people. But you see, things are changing with Jesus. Salvation is not something that is going to come because of your ethnicity or entitlement anymore. Salvation is going to come by faith and faith alone. So Jesus turns to this Samaritan and he said to him in verse 19, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And if you notice in your Bible, there's probably a little footnote that's after the word well. And it'll tell you that this phrase, has made you well, can also be translated as he has saved you. That this faith has saved you. It's the same word for salvation. Luke is showing us something big here. The ten lepers, the other nine, They have received a physical healing, but this one Samaritan has experienced a spiritual healing. You can have received a blessing from God in your life, but not truly know him. You can experience great gifts that God would give to you, but not truly encounter and see and know Jesus Christ. The nine have been cleansed, but this grateful Samaritan is saved. That's the point. This gratitude is is the turning point. See, gratitude, I believe, is the response that reveals whether or not we have truly seen and encountered Jesus in our life. That gratitude is this turning point hinge that transforms truth into a transformed life. That gratitude is the heart of worship, a response to our God. See, I, I used to think a lot of different things about our time of worship in a corporate worship service. I thought maybe that it's kind of like the warm-up act before the main event happens. At one point in time, I thought worship was a type of rain dance that we did so that the Spirit of God would come down and bless us through the preaching of God's Word. But when you look into the Word of God, worship is not a rain dance. It's always a response. A response to the goodness of and to the glory of God. And so that's actually why here at Redeemer Christian Church, most of our singing happens after the word of God is preached. It's a response to the gospel of grace going forth and us saying to Jesus Christ, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are good, you are glorious, you are true. That way, though, the way we arrange our worship actually tells us every single week, week after week, a reminder of the gospel story that God has called us, that God has spoken his word of grace to us, that we respond with worship and thanksgiving and that we are sent forth as God's people to display his kingdom 
before a broken world. It's an amazing thing. Every week we get to come to this place and remember that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sin, that he rose again for our salvation, that he has promised one day to return and make all things new, and that this whole Bible reveals that this is a God who keeps his promises, that he really is worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our obedience. He's worthy of our worship. And he's worthy of us to come before him and say, Jesus, thank you. It's interesting when the Samaritan leper falls before the feet of Jesus and tells him, thank you. There's a particular Greek word that is used here, and that word is eucharisteo. It's the word from which we derive the term eucharist. Eucharist is a term for the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. I think that gives us a beautiful vision of what we get to do week after week when we come before the Lord's table. That we are like healed lepers. Those who are unclean and unworthy, who have been invited to join the King of kings and the Lord of lords at his table. We've been invited to his banquet. And we are not worthy. We cannot earn his salvation. We cannot make ourselves clean. But Jesus Christ... He's taken off his outer garment, wrapped himself with a servant's towel, and he washes us, and he makes us clean. We cannot earn this feast. We cannot earn our salvation, but we can fall before the feet of Jesus and say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that though our sins are many, your mercy is is more. And when we cry out to you, you respond and you invite us to a life of joy. But I pray that you would give us eyes to see the things that we need to lay down, the distractions that distract us from who you are. I pray that you would help us to repent of indifference towards you and the ways that we can distort who you really are to us. Help us to see you with eyes of faith. Help us to obey you with humble hearts. And help not just the songs that we sing, but the totality of our lives to be grateful, loving worship to your name. Lord, I pray that you would heal those that are broken today by the power of your word. I pray that you would fill us with grateful hearts. That we would be your people, that you would be our God. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Redeemer Christian Church in Amarillo, Texas. For more information about Redeemer, please visit our website at RedeemerChristianChurch.com.